Well, amen. <clears throat> if you would please open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, we'll be beginning in verse 18 today. <clears throat> now, sometimes images, they can be deceiving. They don't always tell the full picture. Sometimes they don't show the true scale of things. Uh, one, of, one of the things I enjoy doing is rock climbing. Uh, back in my, my fitter days, I was doing that quite a bit. And I tell you what, I saw many pictures of uh, rock climbing gyms or boulders that I actually go climb, and they always look so small. And then you get up there and you have to actually drop down from the, the wall, and suddenly they seem a whole lot taller once you're up there. Sometimes images distort the shape of things. Uh, if you look at a flat map, well, our Earth is not flat, it's a globe, so the image is distorted on the map. Greenland looks to be about the size of the USA, where really it's actually much smaller, but it's because of the distortion of the map. One of my favorite examples, uh, I'm a big fan of dinosaurs, I love dinosaurs, and most of the dinosaurs that we know about, that we see pictures of, we see in movies and television, they didn't look like that. Paleontologists have done drawings in the same style where they take a, uh, a bird skeleton or a monkey skeleton, and it ends up looking completely different because if you're just looking at the skeleton, there's a lot that you're missing. So when we just have an image and we can't experience the full thing, we end up with a distorted view. And what the Bible says about this earth is that it is just an image. Briefly, I want to read for you from Hebrews 8. It says, For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed. What we have on this earth is a copy and a shadow of spiritual things, of heavenly things. We don't have the full picture yet, and we won't until we are in heaven. Well, here there's a, an issue in Mark chapter 12, where they don't realize that what we are looking at is not the full picture, but only a copy of the real thing. Beginning in verse 18, Then some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him, and they asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies and leaves his wife behind and leaves no children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now that was ancient Jewish custom. The oldest brother got married and died before having any children. The next brother in line would then take that wife and bear a child in that, that brother's name. So he says, Now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and dying he left no offspring. And the second took her, and he died. Nor did he leave any offspring. And the third likewise. So the seven had her and left no offspring. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be? For all seven had her as wife. Jesus answered and said to them, Are you not therefore mistaken, because you do not know the Scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But concerning the dead, that they rise, 
Have you not read in the book of Moses, in the burning bush passage, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. You are therefore greatly mistaken. Let us pray. Father God, we thank You for who You are. Not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Lord, I pray that we would recognize that even the best things this earth has to offer are just an image, just a copy of what is in eternity. That we see now as through a mirror dimly, but one day we will see clearly. God, I pray that we would seek to glorify You in all that we say and do. God, open our hearts and minds to Your Word. Give me words to say. We ask this in Your name. Amen. So the first thing I want us to take note of, because this obviously has to do with marriage. Who will the woman be married to in eternity? Which of the seven brothers? And Jesus' answer may shock you. It may, uh, well, leave you a little hurt, honestly. Jesus answered and said to them, Are you not therefore mistaken because you do not know the Scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. So in heaven, the answer is, woman will not be married to any of them. This woman would not be married because in heaven there is no marriage. Well, I take that back. There is one marriage in heaven. There is no marriage amongst us in heaven, but in eternity we will see the real picture of marriage. The real image face to face. We will experience true marriage. Marriage is a gift from God. Marriage is a blessing from God. Marriage is one of the, one of the best things that God has given to this earth. But it is a mere picture of what will come. The true bride. The true bride is the church. The church is the bride of Christ. Multiple marriages is not, the, not a problem in heaven because there will only be one marriage there the marriage between Jesus Christ and His church. That is the only marriage in heaven. So we won't need this picture. The picture of marriage today, the reason we have marriage today is to reflect what will one day be. Marriage is beautiful. It is wonderful. It's also flawed. Neither you nor your spouse are perfect. And that causes tension. That can cause problems in a marriage. In eternity, we will not have those problems. We won't have those issues. We will have a a perfect marriage, not a worldly marriage. The bride of Christ and Jesus married together, united as one in perfection. There will be no sin. There will be no selfishness to taint the marriage. There will be no marriage in heaven because Jesus will have perfected it. So while we're on this earth, let us cherish marriage. Let us take care of our marriage. And if you are not married, pray for the marriages in your life. 
whether you're married or not, you have been affected by marriage, whether that be uh, your parents, grandparents, friends, family, whoever it is, they have had an impact on your life and they are showing, or at least should show, what we are to expect in heaven. So if you are married, cherish your spouse, love your spouse, pursue your spouse, and if you are not, pray for those that are. Pray that they would show Christ well in the home. Reflect Christ in your home. Marriage is a reflection of what is to come. Let us treat it as such. Let us treat it with the honor and reverence that it deserves. That is one of those few things that is only for this earth. There are many things that uh, we cannot do in this earth that I believe we will be able to do in heaven. I can't just go up to a grizzly bear and pet it, no matter how fluffy they look, because they'll eat me. I believe in heaven I'll be able to go up to a grizzly bear and pet it, finally. That's one of those things that I cannot do on this earth. I cannot uh, do certain things. But there are things that I can only do on this earth. In fact, two things that come to mind. Marriage and sharing the gospel. Those are reserved for this earth. Marriage, because we will be perfectly united with Christ, sharing the gospel because there won't be need for mercy and grace. We will be perfected. We will be already perfected in Christ. We will have already received mercy. There will not be sin in heaven, so let us cherish those things while we're here. Let us take care of those things. Let us take care of our marriages Let us pray for those that are married and let us share the gospel of Christ. The next thing Jesus teaches them is that death in the world, death in the world is not truly death. And by truly death, I mean spiritual death. Separation from God. Verse 25 says, For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But concerning the dead, but concerning the dead that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses in the burning bush passage how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Notice it was not I was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I am current. That is present tense. little grammar lesson, present tense means it's happening right now. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God is the God of this earth. God is the God of this world. Yes, Satan has power right now. The Bible calls him the prince of the power of the air, but God overrules him. God is in command. God is in charge. Concerning the dead, they will rise. We had, there were multiple different sects within Judaism. You had the Pharisees, which we looked at last week. They, they brought the question about taxes. They were focused on the law. They were very strong in keeping the law, at least publicly. But then privately, they were sinful. They were um, boastful, prideful. But they focused on the law. Whereas the Sadducees, they were more about the temple. They were very uh, upper class. And they also did not believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees rejected the idea of a resurrection. In fact, in verse 18 it says, some Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to him. 
they rejected the idea of a resurrection, and so they came up with these arguments for it, like a woman married to seven different men. Who would she be married to? But Jesus calls them out on that. Concerning the dead that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the burning bush passage, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. There is life after this earth. There is life after what we have right now. In fact, frankly, I don't like calling it the afterlife. Because this is not real life. This is a picture, a reflection of what true life will be. This is a reflection of what eternity will look like. This is a, a reflection. But just like when you go to a, a carnival, and you step in front of the mirror and it makes you really short or really tall, really skinny or really fat because it has the distorted mirror. It's distorted. It's a distorted picture. There's, there's problems in this life. There's sickness. There's ailments. There's strife between people. There are wars and famine and all these problems. It's a distorted image of eternity. It's a distorted picture of what life is supposed to be like. And so right now what we have is this distorted image, this mirror image of life, but we're mistaken by it. This is not all that we have. This life is not all that we have to look forward to. Many people spend this life as if it is all they have. They store up as much money in their bank account as possible. They go out and have every experience possible. They blow their money on anything that will give them some sort of temporary pleasure. People throw their lives away for drugs, gambling, whatever pleasure they can find. Someone who's a bit more fit. They ruin this life just for a little bit of pleasure. Completely neglecting what real life is. Completely neglecting what we have to look forward to. Again, this is an image. It's a picture of what real life is like. But we will see real life one day. In the resurrection, in Christ, we will have life and life more abundant. We will have life better than this earth. For believers, though death is not the end, this life is merely a reflection of real life. There was an early church leader named Ignatius. And Ignatius was uh, arrested. He was, being, he was going to be executed at a, a Roman festival. One of the spectacles of the event was his execution because he was a Christian. And so the church in Rome, they were plotting to try and get him out of it, to get him out of execution. And so he wrote to them, and one of the things that he wrote was, do not speak of Christ, and yet prefer this world to him. He was telling them, do not try and make this not happen. He was living out the fact that Paul wrote, to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
to live on this earth, we live in a way that glorifies God. We seek to glorify God in all that we say and do. But death? Death is not the end, friends. No, death is the doorway to eternity. And so, yes, we weep on this earth when we lose a friend. We weep on this earth when a loved one passes away. But we also weep with an understanding that this is not goodbye. This does not mean I will never see this person again. This means that I'm separated from them briefly. But we will be reunited in heaven. We'll be reunited in eternity without sickness, without pain, without struggle. We'll be reunited in perfection. Death exposes sin on this earth. Death is a consequence of sin. It exposes that there is sin on this earth, that we struggle on this earth. But it doesn't just do that. Death is the vehicle that takes us to God. Let us not hate death. Yes, let us weep just as Jesus wept when we lose a loved one. But weep with an understanding that we will see them again. And the next thing, we have put this at the end, even though this is the beginning of Jesus' answer. Jesus answered and said to them, Are you not therefore mistaken because you do not know the Scriptures nor the power of God? So friends, let me ask, do you know the Scriptures and do you know the power of God? Jesus here says that the issue is that they don't know the Scriptures. Now these people, they... They would put us to shame in Awana. If you were ever in Awana, you know you had to do memory verses. Or maybe if you've been in some sort of other Christian program, a lot of times you do these memory verses where you memorize certain verses, get a piece of candy. They would put us to shame in that. They were memorizing whole books of the Bible. And Jesus is saying, you don't know the scriptures? Well, just knowing something, having it memorized is very different from understanding it. Just knowing what the Bible says is different from understanding what Scripture says and applying it to your life. All the time I see people who say that they're an atheist because they've read Scripture. And I, I tell them, well, read it again. It didn't go through the first time, so read it again. Just because you have read something or, or have knowledge of something doesn't mean that there's a true understanding. Scripture intake should be done, yes, taking in large stories at a time, but also sitting there and praying through verses of Scripture, praying through what Scripture is actually teaching, ingesting it, taking it in, slowly going through bite by bite and savoring each bit of Scripture. You do not know the Scriptures nor the power of God. You know, all throughout Scripture, we see the power of God on display. Scripture opens up with God creating the universe. That is an immense display of power. The power of God is put on display right at the very start. And then what happens a few chapters later? Everybody is wicked, sinful. So God decides to have almost a reset. He floods the earth. Do you know the type of power that water has? 
Do you know the type of damage that water can cause? I've seen homes flooded and I, I, it didn't just do a little bit of damage. It wasn't just a little bit of mold. Destroyed houses. Destroyed land. Floods can devastate. They have so much power. And that is just a fraction of the power of God. That he is the one that controls the flood. He was the one that flooded the earth as a judgment for man's sin. And then we go to the next book of the Bible, Exodus. God displays his power to the Pharaoh by bringing on these plagues, ten plagues. Each one of them mocking one of the Egyptian gods. He does this to show the power of God. And then we look throughout the rest of Scripture, we see that when, uh, when the Israelites got to Canaan, this promised land that God had told them would be their land, we see that word of God's power had spread because Rahab, she knew who these people were. She knew, oh, those are the people who their God destroyed the Egyptian army. Their God split the Red Sea. Their God is powerful. And then you read through the rest of Joshua and God is conquering all these other nations, all these other tribes and people to give them the land that he had promised. God's power is on display all throughout the, the Bible. You read through the Old Testament, the New Testament, God's power and authority is on display. And you want to know what is a bigger show of power than creating the universe? You want to know what's a bigger show of authority than creating all that there is rather than creating from nothing recreating the broken sinful heart of man that is a real display of the power of God that he can take sinful me and sinful you and piece us back together you know, there is a, a, an ancient Japanese practice where they would take broken pottery and stick it back together and inject gold into it. Molten gold, so that then when it hardened, when it solidified, you had this new beautiful vase where all the cracks were filled in with gold. It's worth more than the original piece of pottery. It's more beautiful than the original piece of pottery. That's what, that's what God has done with us. We are broken. We are flawed men and women. Yet God pieces us back together. And it makes, he makes the product more beautiful than before. More beautiful than if it were not broken in the first place. That's the power of God. Do you know the scriptures and do you know the power of God? Friends, things of this life can be good. We ought to enjoy the things of this life. We ought to enjoy hanging out with people. We ought to enjoy creation. Go out in nature. See it. It's beautiful. Enjoy what this life has to offer, but understand that this 
is merely a reflection. That thing in your life, that is not ultimate. That new car, that big house, that's not ultimate. That is not what ultimate joy is. That's not what ultimate happiness looks like. Joy comes from God alone. All other things will give you maybe a little bit of happiness. Maybe a little bit of joy. Maybe they'll keep you happy for a little bit. Maybe they'll satisfy your desire for a couple minutes. Maybe even a few hours, a couple weeks. But then there's the next thing. Get a really fast car. And then your neighbor gets a faster one. Get a big house, and then they build a bigger house down the road. Get a really nice job where you're making a bunch of money, and then there's someone richer than you. Things of this earth will disappoint you. So we should enjoy them while we can. Enjoy them, but with the understanding that they are merely a reflection of the goodness of God. They are not ultimate satisfaction. They will not fulfill you. Only Christ will. Things of this earth are fleeting. Marriage, one of the greatest gifts from God, will pass. It is till death do us part. And that day will come. So enjoy the things of this earth, but look forward to the things of heaven, eternal things. Let us pray. Father God, you are good and mighty. God, you are the one with all power, all authority. You are the one who can create life and then recreate life from the ashes. God, I pray we would seek to glorify you in all that we do. God, I pray that you would be God that you would be magnified in our lives. That we would enjoy the things of this earth while understanding that they are nothing compared to you. That we do all things to your glory, not to glorify ourselves, not to satisfy some desire, but to glorify you. Pray all this in your name. Amen.